Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we talk about not only uh, the uh, pandemic, but also the financial future uh, for everybody. And, and as inflation hits and all the other things go on, we'll get into that today. Glenn's new book is out. It's called The Great Reset. It's number one on Amazon. It's number one on Kindle. It's number one everywhere. You should pick it up as well at glensnewbook.com. We get into that, and we get into the feeling around the country almost of a little bit of embarrassment as to what has gone on over this first year of the Biden presidency and a shiny new 33% approval rating for our president. We'll get into that today as well. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. You know, I've been doing a lot of interviews around the country for the uh, new book, The Great Reset, and uh, I am surprised at how many times uh, I hear people say, like Sean Spicer yesterday said, you know, I didn't realize, I, I thought I knew everything about politics and everything else, and then I read your book, Glenn, and he said, it opened my eyes to something completely different. Um, this is the Rosetta Stone for understanding where we, what's happening in our country. So many stories you can't make sense of. Read The Great Reset, um, and then let's start fixing our country. We, you know, the, we can't win against Islamic extremism because we can't identify it. Nobody was allowed to identify anything. If we weren't able to identify communism, we wouldn't have been able to defeat it. If we wouldn't have been able to identify fascism and Nazism, we wouldn't have been able to defeat it. If you're going to fight, you have to stop fighting the shadows, which is the right-left Republican-Democrat kind of thing. The the Democrats are trying to bring in a one-party system, which is all about the Great Reset. But that's not the show. That's not the real... That's not where everything is happening. It is happening, as we'll show you later on in the program. It's already happening to the banks. It's already happening to businesses. It's already happening to you with COVID. So many people have written me this week and said, Glenn, uh, I'm reading the book right now. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, there are solutions. And yes, there are solutions. And they are practical solutions at the uh, end of the book. Later on in the program today, I'm going to go over economic solutions uh, for you. But I, I've also drafted up a practice steps to revive the republic. And I'd like to send this out in my newsletter and also post this at Facebook and everything else uh, during the show today. It's practice steps to revive the republic. And it is it's nowhere near a comprehensive list. Um, there's lots of things that we have to do. But let me give you just a few of them. And they're going to sound simple or crazy or... Come on, that's not going to, but it is. This is all part of it. Remember, our foundation is rotten. 
So unless we go back to the cornerstones and we fix that, we can never level the house. We will, the house will come down. It's only a matter of time. We have to stop taking shortcuts and go right to the cornerstone. So number one, get married and have a family. Get married and have a family. The best thing you can do, this Mother Teresa said, best thing you can do to promote world peace is get married, have a home, have children, and love your family. Family is the first government we, in, we, uh, we enter into. It's where we are taught the ideas, the virtues that are necessary for self-governance. Your kids start to rebel in their teenage years because they're ready to start governing themselves. They want that. So our job is to love our children, teach them, and then let them go and make their own decisions. That is the natural order of things. So you learn those things. And if, if kids are, you know, out on their own, they're, you know, not in a, a good family, the family has disintegrated, we call those people maladjusted. Because they didn't come from a family. Look at our, our murder rates and everything else. It's from broken homes. If you want to fix America, if you love someone, if you know what that means, and you're, you are um, you're a decent human being, marry them. Marry them. Now, marry them and start a family. Reagan said, if you're concerned about the fall of uh, America, some have suggested in today's world the family has somehow become less important. I can't help but thinking just the opposite. When so much around us is whispering the little lie that we should live for the moment and just ourselves, it's important that our families affirm an older and more lasting set of values. All right, the second one, and I go into depth on all of these, and I'll post it at Facebook here in a few minutes. Um, the second one is tell the truth. Jordan Peterson said something I think really profound. He said, when you have something to say, silence is a lie it goes to bonhoeffer silence in the face of evil is evil itself you're lying if you stand by quietly lying today is really really easy uh, and it takes the mess of the present and pushes it right into the future it makes your life a minefield one wrong step and everything blows up it, lying it takes too much out of you. Um, you, you it, just, it just does. And I know I'm an alcoholic. I lied for many years of my life while I was drinking. And there is nothing more empowering than telling the truth and letting the chips fall where they may. Stop lying. We're all saying the media lies, politicians lies, the doctors, the celebrities lie, blah, blah, blah. But if we're lying too, even if it's just we're being silent in the face of these lies, then we know they are lies and we can't expect things to improve. We have to agree with each other to stop lying and to start telling each other the truth and then listening to each other. When you are forced to remain silent, when you're being told the most obvious lies, when you're forced to repeat those lies yourself, you will you'll lose all sense of right and wrong. And you will, you will become part of the evil that you are against. You have to 
embrace and promote a life of of worthy values of liberty and it begins with us third step study and history uh, study history and read old books uh, the one thing i have learned uh over the years is these ridiculous scholars that are just quoting themselves and they never get to an original source and they want to tell me what somebody thought 200 years ago by dismissing what the people and the friends of that people and even some of the enemies said about those people at the time of their life they have no new insight stop reading these new books start getting back to original sources you know um so much is being lost because we're not we're looking for new wisdom it is old wisdom that will provide the stability fourth step i want you to consider is own don't rent you know i said last night on the tv show uh somebody asked a question i remember what it was uh but it was about the great reset and they said what what is it i think this was the question what is it that these corporations are getting out of all of this. Why, why do they want to do this? Why would they cripple people? Um, uh, and, and how does that help them if they're destroying everything? Because they are the Mr. Potter in It's a Wonderful Life. You have to change your mindset on what corporations are now doing. They used to have a social contract that what was good for them or what's good for you is good for them. That social contract is no longer valid. They are not thinking that way. They are looking to enrich themselves because they see that the world is changing. This is a longer discussion we can have, and it's also in the book, but they are making moves that will ensure their prosperity and really ensure your demise. And I want you to understand it like this. Mr. Potter, what was the story between Jimmy Stewart and Mr. Potter? What was what was that building, you know, that uh, building savings and loan story really all, really all about? It was about two v uh, visions. One was George Bailey and his father, and they said people had a right to own their own spot of land, to own their own life, uh, and to make their own rules. And it gives pride. You know, a Harvard study came out in 2001, and they said there's strong, consistent evidence that indicates that homeowners are more likely to be satisfied with their homes and neighborhoods, participate in voluntary and political activities, and stay in their homes longer, contributing to the neighborhood. These things are all really good. There is pride of ownership. The, the Great Reset is about destroying all ownership. Own do not rent. Mr. Potter said, ah, these people, they're never going to amount to any anything. That's the elite speaking. These people, you can't trust them. They're bad. We have to control them. We'll put them into Pottersville. Pottersville is the great reset. That's what they want it to become. And that is exactly what it will become unless we start to do things to become self-reliant more empathetic and stand on the owner's mentality the other couple of things here i'm just going to give them to you quickly and i'll post them dump the tea into the sea remember who we're dealing with dump the tea in the sea 
and know your rights and your responsibilities. You have to know your rights and your responsibilities. And uh, the last one is uh, say republic more than democracy, because we are not a democracy. We are a republic, and that is an important distinction. I'm going to point these easy steps uh, to my Facebook page here in just a few minutes. We'll post them so you can have them. Uh, These are New Year's resolutions that you can do and should do. I would love to get uh, emails and phone calls from people today who say, I've been dinking around on my... uh, my fiance or asking somebody to get married i'm going to ask them today to marry me get married start a family buy a house own something back in a minute you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program Okay, let me go to uh, my co-author of the uh, best-selling book, the number one selling book in the country now, uh, Justin Haskins, co-author of The Great Reset. Uh, I told you about a half hour ago, I found out right after the show yesterday that my worst fear had come uh, through, that uh, we had already sold through the first printing of the book um, in the first day. Uh, this book, the, the most we've ever sold in a week with common sense. And that was about 150,000 copies. Uh, we sold about a hundred thousand copies in the first day of this book. We are trying to get the presses rearranged so we can get it out. It is available on Kindle. It is available in some stores. You can order it. Um, and, and please do that. It, it helps us know, you know, what the demand is. Please order it. Uh, now you can go to glensnewbook.com, glensnewbook.com, and you can order it. We'll give you the details on when it will be shipping to you soon. But like I said, Barnes & Noble and other places still do have some copies of the book. Um, so grab it. It is the Rosetta Stone. My co-author is uh, Justin Haskins. Um, this one took some real heavy lifting from uh, Justin and his team. Uh, and my team, because uh, this was very difficult to uh, figure out. And Justin, one of the things that people have to understand is that how this is going to affect their everyday life. And there's a story out today about Uber and how this the Great Reset is actually affecting Uber today. Do you have that story by any chance? Yeah, yeah, we just pulled it up, actually. And and essentially what's going on is uh, with Uber, it's not just Uber, it's actually Uber, it's Lyft, it's it's a whole bunch of companies that are affected by what's called the gig economy, where you have independent contractors um, doing most of the work for these companies. That's what Uber drivers are, and that's what Lyft drivers are. And uh, you have these ESG scoring and rating groups uh, penalizing Uber, penalizing Lyft because they don't have enough information about these independent contractors. They don't know how well they're being treated. Uh, so they need more information about those before they're going to include them in all of their various uh, rating systems and things like that. The, the, the thing that's important to keep in mind here is that it's all of these big ESG scoring companies, all of these big rating agencies, 
they're constantly looking for more and more and more information from these businesses and they're and they're effectively penalizing these companies that are giving independent contractors the ability uh, to go out and make some extra money by saying, you know, you guys are, by making these people independent, you're not giving us enough information. We need even more information. Otherwise, you're essentially going to be listed as one of these bad companies. Uber, Lyft, and all of these other uh, gig economy companies, a lot of them, already have ESG scoring systems. So this is actually them complaining that their ESG scoring systems are not giving them enough details. Give us even more information. And when they start like this, the next step is you're not giving me the information. Um, The driver, we need information on the driver and how he lives his life and what he is doing. Exactly right. This is how it all trickles down and it will it will stop you from working. It will stop you from, um, uh, you know, inventing and being an entrepreneur. It stops the basic free market dead in its tracks. Um, that's just one example of of what's happening. That's in the news today. Um, there is a story now. I thought this would change. I just we were talking about this yesterday. I thought the uh, Davos World Economic Forum uh, meeting wasn't that changed to summer, or is that still January twenty second? No, they changed it. Yeah, they they pushed it back, um, and and they might they may very well push it back even further. Uh, so they, they they did the same exact thing last year. They kept pushing the meetings back. Uh, they do virtual meetings, though, with many of the higher level right. people. So it's important to, to, to remember just because they're not having one of these big meetings where ten, you know, tens of thousands of people are flying into Davos doesn't mean that they're not meeting. They have been meeting so and they will continue to. They have. They just released the agenda for January for their um, virtual meeting. People ask me, you know, uh, how much power do they actually have? I want you to listen just to the attendees' titles, the people who are actually speaking at Davos and all about the Great Reset. You have the Prime Minister of India, Prime Minister of Japan, Secretary General of the United Nations, President of the European Commission, Prime Minister of Australia, President of Indonesia, Prime Minister of Israel, Secretary of State, uh, sorry, Secretary of the Treasury of the United States, Janet Yellen, uh, Vice President of Nigeria, Director General of the World Health Organization, the Executive Director of International Agency, Energy Agency, President of Peru, President of Colombia, um, Anthony Fauci will be there, Minister of Environment of Egypt, Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund, President of Guatemala, Vice President of the United States, uh, Al Gore, um, the Minister of the Economy of Brazil, the Ministry of Information, Communication and Technology, uh, the President of Rwanda, Special Presidential Envoy for the Climate of the United States of America, John Kerry, the Governor of the Bank of Japan, President of the European Central Bank, the President of Ecuador, Director General, World Trade Organization, Ministry of Energy of Saudi Arabia, the Commissioner for Jobs and Social Rights for the European Commission, the Governor of the Central Bank of France, the Minister of State for Advanced Technology, Ministry of Industry and Advanced Technology of the UAE. Those are just some of the speakers at this. So when you say... What kind of power do they have? That kind of power. That's right. That kind of power. Yeah. These people are making rules. In fact, they, they just put out 
uh, on this sheet the things that they are the top 10 global risks by severity. See if these match anything that you feel. Okay, the number one they're saying is uh, global warming. Number two, extreme weather. Number three, biodiversity loss. Number four, social cohesion erosion, livelihood crisis, infectious diseases, human environmental changes. They don't get to the economy until number 10. Um, These people are wildly out of touch. They are elites and they are designing everything. Right. Everything in your life. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the global risks report, which you were just quoting from, that came out recently from the World Economic Forum, with, with they, they essentially conducted a survey of a thousand people who are tied to the World Economic Forum. Um, those were the number of respondents they had anyway. And they asked them what they thought should be the primary risks going forward. And those were the results that they got. Um, and I think the reason why that report matters so much is because I think this is them figuring out how they're going to position themselves going forward. This whole idea of the Great Reset is built on crises. You don't have a crisis. You don't have a, a you know a necessary solution to rework the world, right? You need a crisis to have the Great Reset. That's what COVID was initially, but they know that COVID is not a long-term problem. This survey proves it because COVID is not listed on here as one of the primary things, especially when you go, because there are several different time frames in their survey, the further you go out, like when you go to the five to 10 year uh, part, there's no mention of COVID at all. So they don't believe that's going to be a problem for them in five to 10 years. What did they put there though? They put climate action, extreme weather, biodiversity loss, natural resource crises, human environmental damage. Those are the top five things. Why are those the things? Because that, I believe, is what they think is going to be the strategy, the PR strategy going forward in the long term. And this is something that we put in the book. We spent an entire chapter in the book. I think it's chapter three, all about how climate change is the long term justification, how environmentalism is the long term justification for the Great Reset because COVID isn't going to last forever. Correct. For moving you into cities. I mean, we're talking about the claiming of 50% of all property by our federal government. 50% off limits to human beings. That's obscene. And, and, and who do they think they are that they could get away with this? These will be global initiatives. That's how they get around all of the countries. The country can throw a fit. It won't matter. You will be kicked out of the global community if you don't play along. You won't. Nobody will accept your money. No one will accept buying anything from you. Um, You can't sell anything to anyone. And this is on not only a global scale, but I can't emphasize this enough on the the most minute scale you going to a grocery store it is what the plan is right and i think that what's really important for people to understand too is that that is why corporations and banks and financial institutions are are such a big part of this because you could elect uh, a donald trump america first type person and the plan does not stop it doesn't stop they keep moving forward. Why? Because even if you have government officials saying, we're not going to do this, we're not going to support this, we're not going to go in this direction, 
if all of the corporations are moving in that direction anyway, if they're going to decide what you can buy and what you can't buy, if the banks are going to decide who, you know, that they won't lend to certain people doing certain kinds of businesses, then it doesn't matter what Donald Trump says. They can control it and they can do it from anywhere because these corporations have become so globalized that if Europe says we don't do business with corporations, they're actually considering a resolution right now in Europe that would require every business that that is in the the value chain, not just doing direct business in the European Union, but just in the value chain in Europe to go along with a, a, a European Union ESG, they call it due diligence system. So if you're Coca-Cola, eat, let's say you're Coca-Cola and you know you obviously sell things in the European Union, you're going to have to go along with the European Union's ESG rating system. You're going to have to prioritize whatever they decide. And so again, and it, what, it doesn't matter what politicians in the United States say if that's the system. And the, the, the frightening thing, this is why local is so important. Local lies everything start a farmer's market if you don't have one buy at a farmer's market um buy local 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 you've got to you've got to start looking in the smallest of areas the way to beat this is through the small not through the big they've got the big mastered so you know um coca-cola is one of the big ones on esg and one of the real leaders in the world of of uh, the great reset and they already are doing things in Europe that are insane. If they have to buy sugar, they have to now verify that those farms and everything that they get their sugar from are ESG compliant. The sugar farm cannot sell to a company that has a higher ESG score. Now, this ESG score, I can guarantee you, it is all going to come down to money. You know, they're they're not well defined. They're it's it's really who's going to give people the money to grease the tracks. This is going to get so corrupt so fast, um, and the price of everything will go up. Yeah, it has to. It yeah. has to. And and who is writing these ESG scores? Who who writes these ESG systems? Who makes them? It's the, the big, banks are right it's now. The, it's the banks and it's big corporate uh, leaders. That's who, that's the people who are writing them. The the World Economic Forum's sort of official ESG system that they want the world to adopt. The head of that of that group that's, that wrote those standards is the president, the, the or the CEO of Bank of America. That's the person leading the charge for the World Economic Forum doing this. So these people are literally writing their own rules. This whole system is so corrupt, it's so full of cronyism, and it's, it's so obvious what's going on if you actually take the time to look under the hood, which is what this book is all about. If you don't know, if you don't understand the details of this, there will be no way to stop it because it is so no complicated. Way. You will not stumble upon this information. You have to actually be presented with it in a, in a clear, cohesive way. Exactly. Otherwise, yeah, you'll it, never understand it. It's really not complex once you get it. Once you, that was our that was our struggle was to boil this down into something that everyone could read and understand. Um, and if you really want to become an expert, all of the all of the landmarks are there that we point you to to really go much deeper. But this is the Rosetta Stone. This is the thing that everyone has to read. This is the biggest story 
I believe, and if you think this is hyperbole, please correct it. I think this is the biggest story of humankind in the last 500, maybe the last 200 years since America. I think this is the game-changing human story of the last 200 years. Yeah, the, the, the Great Reset is the other side it's it's the it's the other side of the American Revolution. It's their American it Revolution. Is. That it's for for progressivism for this whole long story that's been going on for hundreds of years of of fascism and and hardcore progressivism. That that story in their minds is culminating right now. This is the this is the height of that moment for them. This is their American Revolution in the same way that the American Revolution was not the beginning of that freedom movement that had been going on for a while and that kind of became the the culmination of that movement. This is the same thing for them. This is their 1776. Okay, um, the book you can get it now glensnewbook.com glensnewbook more in a minute. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. All right. Let me go to Carol Roth. Uh, Carol Roth is just, uh, I think Carol has just been a godsend. Uh, I have been looking for somebody that understands the economy broadly, understands the big business of Wall Street, but then focuses on the average person. Uh, and she has done that. She is a former investment banker turned to the light side. And uh, she is the author of The War on Small Business. And we want to talk to her today about um, inflation, Congress and their insider trading, uh, and what you should know about investing, how you can protect yourself for what is coming. Carol, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. How are you? Glenn, it's great to be back with you, and I have to congratulate you on the Great Reset book. Mine is on the way. I don't have it in my grubby little hands because they ran out of copies because it was so darn popular. So I, 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 I am champing at the bit to get my yeah. hands on my copy. Well, you can uh, you can get it on Kindle um, while we're waiting for the uh, uh, the new books to be shipped out. Hopefully, we'll have some news on when those things are going to be shipped out. But we the the biggest book I ever sold was a two million seller, and in the first week we sold one hundred and fifty thousand copies. On day one, we sold about a hundred thousand copies. On day one, this time, uh, so it's yeah, it's it's truly amazing. Uh, so, Carol, let me. Um, let's let's start here with inflation inflation is not transitory it is getting worse and worse there are shortages in our grocery stores uh and we're hearing blame from everybody you know from the snowstorms etc etc in my entire life i have never seen our country except in snowstorms for a few days go through this but certainly not countrywide what is really happening, and how bad do you think this is going to get? So this is the, um, I won't call it the logical outcome, the illogical outcome of central planners who think that they are incredibly smart and a direct result of the COVID policies, uh, monetary and fiscal, that we have seen over the last two years. You had the Federal Reserve printing trillions of dollars and adding that to uh, the economy. You had the federal government 
putting out trillions of dollars in stimulus money. You had governments at all levels deciding that they were going to treat the economy as if it were a modem that you could power cycle and flip it on and off. And they shut down about a third of the economy and assumed that that wouldn't cause disruptions to the labor force and to the supply chain, and then some of the incentives that they put in place and the uncertainty they created by their policy further disrupted that labor force. So when you put that sort of big storm of things together, that is the driver of inflation, and it goes all the way through. If the inputs to goods and services are increasing in prices and labor costs are going up because you can't find enough workers to work and, and then they have the, um, uh, the leverage on their side and your operating costs are going up, eventually the businesses are going to need to make up that drag. And so they pass those cost uh, increases on to the consumer. And that's why you are seeing both an increase in cost as well as a decrease in availability of all different kinds of goods and services. So the study came out shows that what they have done to the economy has cost the average American $5,000 extra just in inflation they said to us last summer when it was you know going over two percent they maybe it'll go to three or four maybe it'll go to five maybe it'll go to six it's now over seven and it's only been a few months uh are are we seeing any signs of slowdown of this well glad i'm old enough to remember last uh, fourth of july when they told us we were saving 16 cents on hot dogs i don't know about yeah. you but i was very excited <laughs> yeah. about that yeah uh, i was very they, excited <laughs> they have I, I don't know if they actually missed the mark or they just lied to us because anybody with half a brain and you don't have to be a formal economist knew this was going to be the outcome and many of us have been jumping up and down for you know almost two years now saying this was going to be the outcome. And by the way, that CPI measure of inflation, that 7% that you're talking about, is a urban household survey where they basically say, well, if you can substitute a good, we're not going to count that as an increase. So it's actually that the 7% they're saying you're feeling much more than that in, in terms of your pocketbook and your everyday shopping. Wait, and wait, wait, wait. Point- if you could, wait, wait, wait. If you can substitute a good, so in other words, you can get spam instead of ham? <laughs> Then, then we're not going to count that. We're going to we're going to we're going to count the increase in spam instead of the increase in ham. I mean, that, that's not wow. the actual thing, but it, that's the right, right, right. The analogy to what happened. Okay. And that's, yeah, that's yeah. How they that's how they manipulate these inflation numbers that have been doing that for many decades now. So whatever they're reporting to you, and again, we we don't need to tell you this. You're going to the grocery store. You're go, out living your life, and you're feeling this. So you know. The things that you're paying for are, have increased more than 7%, but that's what they're admitting to. So that, that's a pretty big, um, big ad- admission when their target rate of inflation was 2%. So, so can ter- you go, go ahead. ahead? Go ahead. No, no I was gonna please. Say, <laughs> say in terms of where this is going, um, there are parts of this where I don't see 
how even if you can get some of the supply chain back on track and even if the Fed scales back its monetary policy, which it has said it plans to do, but I don't personally don't believe it's going to be at the scale that they're saying. Um, the piece, the labor piece of this, you know, we've had you know something like three million boomers who have retired early. We have some structural issues in the labor force. So what may end up happening is the rate of increase in inflation may come down. Instead of a seven percent increase, it's only a five percent increase. And what they will do is they will sell that as when, oh, look, the inflation rate is going down. But what that really is is cumulative. You're never getting back that initial 7% increase, which we know is mm-hmm. higher. You're adding on top of that another 5 So, yes, maybe you, know, you didn't get another 7 but that's money you are never getting back. That is a permanent tax on so- the average American. You talk in your book and, and, and really lay it out really well. Um, this is all due to the biggest uh, wealth transfer of all time. It started in 2008. They did it again um, here recently. And it, it, it is completely bypassed Main Street uh, and the middle class. And it's gone to the well-connected and the, uh, the wealthy already. They're getting richer and richer. I've never been uh, somebody who has a problem with rich people or, you know, you make your money, you earn it honestly. Um, however, they're getting bails. Uh, they're getting bailed out by people like me paying my taxes and others who are working hard every day. And we are losing in this deal. And the end game is you will own nothing and you'll be happy. Exactly. So this is the great reset playbook that you have written about, and I cannot wait to get into the details on that. Uh, But that is one of the tenets. And I have to say, you know, I am not uh, the most conspiratorial person. And when I first said, oh, there's no way they, they said something like you will own nothing and you will be happy. And then sure enough, I went and I looked it up myself and I did the due diligence and went, Oh boy, that's right there in, in plain English. Um, yeah, it's there. And, it's actually in their advertising it campaign. Is. <laughs> it's yeah, crazy. With, with, a video, it's with crazy. a video with a with a woman like you know dumbly smiling, going, "Oh look, I I own nothing, and I'm thrilled." Um, and and that is the issue here is that they're creating these barriers to wealth creation and to ownership, and they've done it through monetary policy, they've done it through government rule, and it is the most historic trend of wealth from Main Street to Wall Street, because if you are a saver or if you are a retiree or you're an average American who's just trying to go and buy groceries, it's getting more expensive. You're not able to earn any sort of um, appropriate interest level on your savings to keep up with that pace of inflation. But the asset values have been increasing. And so we're seeing those people who are already wealthy and well-connected seeing their wealth increase. And so basically what you need to do is you need to take that playbook and flip it on its head. Whatever they don't want you to do, you need to do. You need to have ownership. You need to be focused on those assets and, and practice some delayed gratification right now because that is the pushback against the Great Reset. So I was saying earlier today, um, because this whole thing is to try to get you to not own anything and they're going to bankrupt us. So you'll have to be very careful and and, you know, and and really strategize because you don't want to get into over your head debt. 
But owning property, owning your own house is so critical right now. Uh, and if it means you have to move away from where you really want to live, but you can find another place in a cheaper part of the country, you know, that is a, a red state mentality, you should do it. Um, somebody called me today and said, would you consider uh, uh, condominiums real property? <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> That's a tough one. I say yeah. this as a, a condo owner um, because it is, you know, somewhat cooperative. And obviously, we saw, you know, as recently as you know, within the last year, that if that cooperative doesn't make the necessary investments in the property, um, tragedy can strike. We saw that in, in Florida. Correct. So, um, I, you know, I, I like something where you have that direct ownership, and the more direct you can you can own, the better. As you said, home ownership, um, other things to do. Like if you are a, a worker. Right now, you are in demand, and if you do not have an ownership stake in the company that you're working with through, via options or equity, it's a really good time to look for an opportunity where you can share in that upside, whether the company is public or private. A lot of different businesses will offer you the opportunity to own a piece of the business over time, and hmm. that you know if you're going to work and you're going to put your 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 time and your effort towards helping somebody else build value, participate in that value if you can. Okay, so uh, we're going to pick it up uh, on Bitcoin and other investments, uh, gold, silver, and um, uh, and the things that you need to be aware of and the people that are enriching themselves in Washington on all of this, like pigs. We're going to talk about that with Carol Roth here. Give me one minute, and we're going to come right back to the, right back to the program. Na, na, na. 